Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm excited to preach what I had prepared last Sunday, but never got to release and I don't know if, if you know, it's kind of like if you've ever experienced a birth or a pregnancy and your wife is about to pop and then it just waits another week. That's how this sermon has been developing in my heart. And I know the pregnancy part, for some of you, you I lost you there, but come back with me. And uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to speak to you a message which was inspired from what we're actually doing with our young adults on Friday night. We are going through a series called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. Now, I'm not going to be speaking a message on financial stewardship, although that's what we're doing with our young adults. It's actually a very challenging time for us as we're learning to budget and all of these grown-up things. But if we can get a hold of that while we're still younger, our future can be brighter, perhaps, and our dreams and our future and our plans can be funded. And so I just took those three things, plans, hopes, and dreams. And that kind of has been resonating in my heart because I'm sure if we would pass this mic around, there are many of you who have plans, hopes, and dreams. And maybe some of you have started on them and maybe today you're enjoying the fruit of starting way back when those dreams first developed. Maybe you're here today looking back and saying, if only I would have started last year what was in my heart and, and, and you, here you are a year later kind of just wishing that a year, you could have taken advantage of a whole year. You see, it was in the early 1920s that Christine Gibson, an early Pentecostal pioneer from British Guyana, had a God-given dream of starting a Pentecostal Bible school that would train up ministers. And her dream was qualified as being impossible. And get this even by her own husband. He said, your dream is impossible. Her dream seemed even further from reality because she needed $1,000 to establish the school. And we're talking in the early 1920s, so we're talking today tens of thousands of dollars of equivalents. Those closest to her tried to convince her that no one would ever give her $1,000, especially because she was a woman, to start this Bible school. Yet, she was still convinced that God told her to do it. And she told her husband that this dream was going to be a reality. Her husband said to her, what maybe some of us have said to our spouses or our friends or our children even, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, just as her deadline was approaching, she needed this $1,000. Someone caught wind of what she wanted to do. And this person cut her a check for $1,000. And in 1924, the School of the Prophets, as they called it, opened its doors in East Providence, Rhode Island. The school would eventually change its name to Zion Bible College. And in 2005, I, Jonathan, graduated from this very school. A direct result of Christine Gibson's obedience of faith to her God-given dream. You see, I I probably wouldn't be standing here today unless way back in the 1920s, a woman had a dream. 
And though it was crazy to even her very husband, he said, I'll believe it when I see it. When God speaks the dream, he will supply everything you need. And all you have to do is trust him, trust him, and trust him. And so today we're going to look at, through the life of Joseph, what it takes to see your plans, hopes, and dreams come to pass through the life of Joseph. Are you ready? Right, just before we jump in, Jeremiah 29, 11, Okay, this establishes God's plan for our life as being good. Ready? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. To give you a what? A future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. One more thing before we jump to scripture. I remember when I knew Priscilla was the one for me. God revealed it to me. I can't tell you why or how. I just knew in my heart that she was the one for me, even though she didn't even know it yet. And so uh, I I lived in Montreal at the time. So the next time I was in Toronto, uh, I was at her church helping out for a couple of weeks. Um, Her pastor had called me over to say, can you help us out? And I said, sure, I'll do this. And I already knew in my heart this was the right opportunity to go for a coffee with this young lady named Priscilla And she's probably listening to me tell this story in the parenting room at the back. Hey, babe, love you. Um, And we went for for coffee, second cup. And we stayed till they kicked us out, till 11 p.m. But I remember just saying, hey, you know, and uh, I want to get to know you more than just a friend. And her her eyes told the rest of the story because she didn't really say a word after that. Um, And she just looked like, like was blinking fast, and I could just see sparkles, but she didn't say much after that. And so a few moments later, I think it was a day or two later, I was like, "Is like you're, we're good, right? We're like you have an interest too. And she's like, yes. She said, but honestly, I didn't want to get my hopes up because I didn't want to get hurt because I liked you so much. And I was just like, wow. She didn't want to get her hopes up. But I want you to note in Jeremiah 29, 11, that the Lord is saying, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So it's okay to hope in the Lord. If you are going to hope, hope in the Lord. And, and your plans will succeed. Don't worry about it. He's working them out for you. So Genesis 37, if you have your Bible, would you turn there with me as we are going to deep dive for the time that we have in the life of Joseph. And would you stand, if you're able, with me this morning in honor of God's word. Genesis 37. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. If you're with me, say amen today. Amen. Amen. Genesis 37, verse 1. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. And this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. 
And one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the, and the way he talked about them. Verse 9, Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of a dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Jump with me to verse 16. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. And when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Note what they say in verse 19. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the plans, hopes, and dreams that you have placed in the heart of your people today. Lord, I pray through the life of Joseph, we would be encouraged to continue to dream again. And Father, we thank you. And I pray you would speak out of the volume of your book. Anoint my mind, my mouth, and my heart that I might speak your word only with the authority and power that only comes from your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You see, Joseph was 17 years old, and the Bible tells us he was often tending sheep for his dad. So he's got his half-brothers with him. And the interesting thing we note in, in the Scripture is that Joseph was the favorite one. Of his father because the father had him in his old age and now this plays a little bit into the fact of why his brothers hate him so much or have a disregard for him um, to begin with because he has this nice coat this nice coat of many colors and to the other brothers they look at it and say what about us like what's up with this Joseph guy like, why does dad love him so much more than us? And so there is this thing against Joseph to begin with. But not only that, Joseph goes to report to his father the, some of the bad things. Not all. It said some of the bad things that they were doing. And so he could be labeled a tattletale or a snitch, uh, you know, saying, look, look at this little guy. He's going to run off to tell dad what we're doing again. And they had a, a disregard for Joseph. The, the interesting thing, though, is that Joseph is a dreamer, and Joseph has two special dreams that are recorded in, verse, in chapter 37 that we read. And Joseph shares about the dreams he's having. 
And a little later, I'm going to share with you what you should do with your plans, hopes, and dreams. But I just want to go through this story a bit, just so we can work our way and, and digest it a little bit to understand it a little better. He's working uh, for his half-brothers in the sheepfold as he's pasturing the sheep. And um, again, he's got this custom robe. It's a custom garment. Verse 4 reminds us his brothers hate him, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. It's just expressing and emphasizing the kind of disregard for him. We're talking about family. Yes, half-blood, but still family. It's like, but can't we get along? But they could not say a kind word to him. And in verses 5 to 7, here's Joseph's dream. And he tells his brothers this. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and all your bundles gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now, if, if you were in that circle of brothers, what would your response look like? What would it be? Probably the same way. Let's not get on the brother's case right away. But, but they're saying, are you trying to say that we're going to bow down to you? Because in their present reality, uh-uh, there's no way that we are going to do that. We don't like you, period. But Joseph shares the dream. And Joseph talks about it. And in fact, this is what bothers them, is that not only does he have the dream, but he's crazy enough to talk about it. In verse 8, they hated him all the more because of, well, not so much anymore the fact that he was his father's favorite, but they hated him all the more because of his dreams. Not only that, but verse 8 even goes on to say, and the way he talked about them. I believe what that scripture is telling us is he spoke about his dreams with a confidence. As foolish and as crazy as that picture is, and, and we have it on the screen, I'm pretty sure you saw that, right? The bundles. As crazy as the picture looks like, he has a confidence about the way he talks about the dream, even though it might seem foolish to his family, to his brothers especially now. And if that wasn't bad enough, in verses 9 and 11, we, we get to the second dream. It says, soon Joseph had another dream. Verse 9 tells us the sun and moon and the 11 stars bowed low before him in his dream. Verse 10, he tells his brothers, but there's one extra addition for the second dream. He now includes his father in this whole ordeal, and he says, hey, dad, hey, brothers, this is what's going on. This is the dream that I had. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bow down. Now, remember, what did we say about his relationship with his dad? Was it a good one or a bad one? Good one. He was favored by his father. His father bought him a custom robe, a coat of many colors. And so now, even his father scolds him. He could have said, hey, guys, take it easy. You know, this is the one I like. No. But the father even thought now, okay, Joseph, I love you, but you're a little crazy now. Like that you think that we're all going to bow down low before you as if, as if you're a king. This is what they would do for a king, perhaps. But not, not for you, Joseph. So his father even scolds him. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? 
In verse 11, while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. You see, let's just stop there for a moment. The father verbally scolded his son for sharing the dream. But the scripture is revealing a part of his heart that probably Joseph wasn't aware of. His father was wondering what the dreams meant. And I believe that as a father, Jacob knew what his son was, was talking about. And he's probably wondering, if this is true, I wonder what's the future going to look like for him and for us. How are we going to get to that point and bow down? What does the dream actually mean? And the father began to think about it. But it doesn't necessarily show us that he was able to understand it fully or that he reaffirmed it in his son's life. All the scripture says is he scolded his son. And we're going to make sense of this in a bit. But parents, you are called to raise dreamers. I don't know if you know that. When you, when you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like their dreams are wild. And crazy, I want to be a police officer, a fireman, I want to be a preacher, a pastor, I want to be a professional soccer player. Like their dreams have no limitations, right? You, you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I mean, pick anything in the world if you're a kid and they believe that that's what they want to do and they could become. And they have this ability to dream. But here's the problem for us adults well, I'm still a kid at heart, but for us who are all supposed to be a little more mature, is that with the, the pressures and the realities of life, maybe what once was a childlike dream full of faith and hope now becomes riddled with the reality of your present struggle and circumstance. And now when I ask, what, what are your plans, hopes, and dreams? You're like, well, I got the mortgage to think about. I got the car payments. I got my coworkers to deal with. Like, my hope and dream and plan is to make it through Monday. So, some of you, if we can be honest, maybe that's where you're at. And I would say that that's a limited hope, a limited dream for what God maybe has spoken into your life and wants to speak. I believe that God gives us dreams for a reason. And the limits are placed not by Him, they're introduced. Yes, by the, the world and the society in which we live, but they are accepted by us, ultimately. And today, my one focus and one goal is to simply break off every limitation to your plans, hopes, and dreams. Because if we say that He is the God of the impossible, well then, there's no limit. Amen? Do you agree? You might agree and say amen, but do you believe it? Right? For you, for your personal plans, hopes, and dreams, and your future. Remember, God has a plan, and he has a future, and he has a hope for you. And it is a good one. But you got to be willing to say, you know what? All of these limitations, they're not there by, placed by God, but they're placed by society and the world in which we live, or by myself, and I accept them. But today, we break every limitation of our God-given dreams. And so, parents, we are called to raise dreamers. And don't, don't be like Jacob who was quick to scold his son. Even though he had an, an inkling in his heart 
or a prompting to say, I wonder what that means. I I encourage you in Christ, raise up your children to be dreamers, to be full of faith, to believe for the impossible. If they say, I want to be the prime minister of Canada, do everything you can and bathe and clothe them in prayer and support. And do what you can to raise them in the ways of the Lord, that they will be the best prime minister this country has ever known, or the best lawyer, or the best doctor that our country has ever known, or this world has ever known. Parents, raise up dreamers who will chase God-given dreams. See, you can be instrumental in their lives, either to stoke the fire of their dreams or to smother it. You can stoke a fire or you can smother it. When you stoke a fire, it's bringing new life to it. You're adding oxygen and and it can burn further and faster and brighter. Or you can smother a fire and it completely dies out. Parents, this this is the difference you can make for the young people. And maybe you don't have children, but what about the the next generation under you? You might be a a spiritual mom or dad. You might have nephews or nieces. Maybe no one else is going to be that voice to speak over them in their youth to say, no, you can do this. With God, all things are possible. Don't limit you or God in the process. So what are we going to do, parents, adults? We're going to stoke the fire not smother it. Say amen if you believe that today. And so what happens is his brothers are, are shepherds. So they're out in the fields and they're, they're doing their work and they're moving with the sheep along. And so the father tells Joseph, hey, go out and check on your brothers and report back to me. Maybe he's saying, make sure they're behaving and be the snitch again and let me know. Who knows? So Joseph sets out on this little journey and uh, he gets to this place, and uh, he sees someone, and he's like, oh, they're not here. They were, but they've moved on to a place called Dothan. They're at a place called Dothan, and he finds them there. And Dothan means two wells. Dothan, two wells. And little did he know, Joseph, that it would be at Dothan that his life, as he knew it, would forever be changed. And in verse 19, he's making his way to Dothan. He can see, I guess, in the distance all the the sheep and his brothers. And they notice him in the distance. And their, their words, in their words, verse 19, here comes the dreamer. Now that's not a positive take on it. That's a, they're making fun of him. Oh, here comes the dreamer. And their plans are not to encourage him in his dreams or as their half-brother. Their plans are to kill him. And thanks to one of his brothers who says, no, no, guys, let's not do such a terrible thing or else his blood will be on our hands. They say, okay, let's just throw him in a well. Dothan means what? Two wells. And they throw him in a well, a dried-up well. So if you're Joseph in the natural, Dothan is the place where your dream dies. If you're Joseph, and this particular day, Dothan is the place where your dream dies in the natural. But in the supernatural, Dothan is the place where your dream takes shape. Do you see that? There are two wells. In one of them, I say, here is where I die. But in God's perspective, in the other well, this is where my dream takes shape. 
And this is where my life pivots and I start to see God's plan for my life begin to unfold. Listen, you might feel like you're at the bottom of a well today. Like you're no good. And you're like, a message on, on plans, hopes, and dreams. I'm in the well, the dried up well, the one where I'm supposed to die in. And I declare and I'm here to to prophesy over you that you won't die in the well, but God is just about to bring up streams of living waters so that you can live again and your hopes, plans, and dreams can live again. So you see, if you're Joseph, you're probably not excited about what happens to you at Dothan, but every plan, hope, and dream will need to pass through Dothan, two wells, where one out of two outcomes will result death or life. Death or life. God's plan for you is life through the well. One day, a farmer's donkey fell into a well that a farmer had accidentally left uncovered. The animal cried uh, piteously for hours as the farmer tried to figure out what to do. Finally, he decided the animal was old and the well needed to be covered up anyway. So you know what they do? He said, it's just not worth it to get the donkey out. He invited all the neighbors to come. And they said, come, uh, bring your shovel with you. They grabbed their shovels, began to shovel dirt into the well just to cover it all up. At first, the donkey realized what was happening and he cried horribly. Then, to everyone's amazement, he quieted down. A few shovel loads later, the farmer looked down the well. He was astonished at what he saw. With each shovel that, of dirt that hit his back, the donkey was doing something amazing. You know what he did? He would shake it off and take a step up. And they would throw more dirt, and the donkey would just shake his back, cast the dirt off, and stomp a little more. And as the farmer's neighbors continued this on and on, pretty soon everyone was amazed as, as the donkey stepped up over the edge of the well and happily trotted off. A very simple story, but illustrates a powerful truth for you and for me. You could be in the well today, left for dead. No more plans, no more hopes, no more dreams. People might even look at you and think, what a waste. Maybe there was potential once, but what a waste. And, and they actually contribute to what they think is just burying the dream Bearing, you know, like no more having your plans, hopes, and dreams broken. Just be content with how life is and you die in the well and you're with your plans, hopes, and dreams. By the way, when I say you die, I'm not saying physically like you, underground. I'm just saying your plans, hopes, and dreams die in the well. And maybe people want to help do that. But today is the day where we just begin to shake off the dirt and begin to stomp a little more and keep shaking it off and stomp until you begin to see level ground in front of you to the point where effortlessly now you just walk as if there was no well behind you. Your plans, hopes, and dreams. Dream again. You might be older today. And you might say, well, <laughs> kids are the ones who dream nowadays. No. And in the last days, your young men will have visions and your old men will dream dreams, the Bible says. So listen, you're never too old to dream again. Can somebody say amen? You're never 
too old to dream again. You see, Joseph was 17. You might be 71. But, but those hopes, plans, and dreams in your life, maybe this is the era and the season where God is getting ready to use you. And this morning, I want to leave you with four things every dreamer must do. Four things every dreamer must do. I encourage everyone, if you don't have a pen or paper, write it down in your phone. Number one, verbalize your plans, hopes, and dreams. Or if you want, wait till point four and just take a screenshot. Take a picture of the screen and you'll be good. Four things every dreamer must do. Number one, verbalize your plans, hopes, and dreams. The word verbalize means to express ideas or feelings in words. Now, you can write words or you can speak words. But it's important. The, the important thing is to verbalize them. And I would encourage you to write your plans down. Write your plans down. Uh, the beauty, I mean, technology is good, right? You can write it down in your phone. But I don't know if you'll ever find it again. The beauty of pen and paper is you don't, oh, my battery just died. Ah, oh, I wanted to read it, but I can't find it now. Right? Write it. Put it on, in your locker at work, uh, at school. Put it in your bedroom. Put it on the fridge. Wherever you got to put it, you make sure that you begin to verbalize your plans, hopes, and dreams. There's something significant about verbalizing, whether it's spoken or written, your plans, hopes, and dreams. And, and you see, they say to Joseph, oh, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. How would they know he's a dreamer? How? Because he spoke about them. He verbalized what, what happened in his dreams. And he would tell people. And one Friday night, a few weeks ago, someone said, uh, Pastor John, do you, like, like, you know those big dreams, those God-given ones, do you, like, tell people? Or how do you go about getting support along, along the way. And my advice is very simple. Find, you don't broadcast it on Facebook. You don't begin to just post it everywhere and anywhere. No, speak it to those who are closest with you, who understand your journey, who understand where you've been and where God is now leading you to. And listen, just like Christine Gibson, her own husband didn't believe her. So, Here's what I say. You verbalize it, but it, I'm not saying that you're, you should expect everyone to be like, awesome, go and do it. I, and and they're, in their head they're thinking, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, I have no idea. And I've learned to do that in my own life. In October of 2016, I boarded a, a plane to Australia uh, for, for nine days, and I, I went. Now, we have young kids, right? My wife would never let me go. How did I convince her? I didn't have to. It was crazy, but it, at the end of 2015, I don't know why, but I just sensed. It wasn't a voice. I didn't read it anywhere. Didn't hear an audible voice. I, it just, it was weird. And I just said, Priscilla, I feel like God is telling me that in 2016, he's going to open a door for me to go to Australia. That was the plan because that's all I knew. But I verbalized it. And when I got a phone call from someone in Australia saying, all expenses paid, we felt the Lord tell us, you needed to come and attend this specific conference, and we're paying for your flight in obedience to what God told us. I was like, are you serious? 
How many of you, one of your plans on your bucket list is to visit Australia? Anyone? A few, right? And I was like, this is crazy. It's an expensive flight. So I said, hey, Pris, remember like eight months ago when I shared with you, I felt the Lord tell me in 2016 a door would open to go to Australia? She's like, yeah. And every time I tell her stuff now, she gets worried. But I said, um, I just got off the phone with somebody and um, God told them to pay for my flight to go to this particular conference, church conference, and uh, I'm going to go. And she's like, well, you told me that you said God was preparing and you felt that. So she goes, how can I say anything else but yes? As hard as it would be to have the children all to herself for nine days, um, she said yes. And so the importance of verbalizing your plans, hopes, and dreams is not necessarily to win support. But it's more so that when it does happen, and it's not for you to say, see, told you so, all you doubters, all you haters, mic drop. Right? That's not why we do that. But we do it so that people can connect the dots and say, no, this is God because you told me way back when that he was going to do something. And so they say to Joseph, here comes the dreamer. Here come, Well, not to, they say amongst themselves, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. Because they didn't like him at all. So number one, verbalize your plans, hopes, and dreams. Number two is get ready for the critics. Get ready for the critics. I don't really have to expound too much on this point. We know that his dad loved him. His brothers, not so much. Uh, they were vocal about how much they didn't like him. But now even the father didn't believe in his dreams and he said, you think we're actually going to, your mom, me, your dad, and your, your brothers, we're going to bow down to you? This is crazy. But Joseph said it anyways. But if you're going to say it, get ready, number two, for the critics. Because they are there, and they're not far away. It was in his own house. And it doesn't mean that his father meant ill for him. It just means they couldn't understand or grasp the dream that Joseph received. And, and you might be here, and maybe you're misunderstood or labeled as a crazy person just because you verbalized what the dreams you have in your heart. And I would say it's okay. Let, let the critics talk. Let them say what they will. And in the end, let God fight the battle and speak on your behalf. And there's no proof as when it happens in real life. We're not going to get to the end of this whole story. But in this case, the critics were wrong. You read through the end of the story, and I kid you not, his brothers show up begging, and they didn't know it was Joseph. They end up bowing low before him because they were in a famine, but Egypt had a lot to give. And so they were there, bowing before Joseph. Get ready for the critics. And I want to encourage you, if God spoke it, you can be sure that he will do it. If God spoke it, he will do it. Some people do want to chase their own idea of a dream or a lifestyle. Uh, I think of the prodigal son who said, Dad, give me all of my inheritance now because I'm, I want to go and do my own thing. What does the Bible say? He went, he spent all the money he had on lavish lifestyle and prostitutes, wild parties, and the money ran out. He found himself in a pig's pen where even the, the, the pods that 
the pigs would eat looked appealing to him. And he went back to his father. And so I want to just say this as a caution. If you're going to chase a dream, make sure it's a God dream. Not your own fleshly desire of a dream. Why? Because that will lead you down your own path. And I would say it's not a path of blessing necessarily. But if God is in it, then I can confidently tell you that he will take care of you every single step of the way. So get ready for the critics. Number three, embrace the journey. Embrace the journey. We don't have time to read it. But for Joseph, the journey wasn't from the pit of the well to the palace in Egypt. It didn't quite go that way. But it was up, down, up a little higher, down a little lower, and then up. He went from the pit to the palace. Then from the palace, he went to prison. And then from prison, he went to the presence of Pharaoh, where he was a high ruler in Egypt. So the journey is not linear. For you and for me, we understand point A. Now you go to point B. If you ever use a, your, your map app on your phone and you want to like add another destination, my map uh, prompts me and it says, is this a new drive or do you want to add a stop? So for us, it goes from one point to the next, which gets me closer to the end goal. But with God, that's not how he works. God is not linear. And God takes you sometimes here, then you get promoted, then sometimes it seems like you take five steps back, then, and then he goes, okay, now that you've experienced all of this, I think you're ready for the big promotion. And then he took Joseph right to Pharaoh. And so this is an incredible thing, and it's hard for us to sometimes understand because we usually are linear people. We think in a linear fashion, time, right? We go from April 22nd to 23rd. We don't skip a date unless it's February 29th and it's a leap year. That's the one exception. But God is not linear. And I submit then simply this, embrace the journey. Embrace the journey that he will bring you on. And see past, number four, the impossibilities. See past the impossibilities. I want to speak to your plans, hopes, and dreams for a moment. You might think money is a limitation, and maybe it is. But I want you to know if you have too much, well, then you might begin to chase your own dreams, just like the prodigal son in Luke 15. Or if you have none, you think, well, I can't start, and, and you don't know what to do. But even with no money, God can still lead you to accomplish your plans, hopes, and dreams. And although you think it's unlikely, and in the natural, it usually is, God can bring the right people into the right equation to help fund those dreams. Christine Gibson started the Bible school with $1,000. Everyone told her it was crazy, and she was crazy. But she held on. Money, maybe for her, was the limitation but for God, it's not a limitation. He's able to provide. He's able to release it. So there's money as an impossibility. Or what about skills or the feeling of being unqualified? The feeling of being unqualified can paralyze you in the well. And it'll keep you from getting to the top. 
and walking freely in the plans, hopes, and dreams that God has for you. But it's important to understand that if God is the one calling you, he's also the one who's able to qualify you. We hear that as a cliche line, but I want to just spell it out for you slow, a little slower than just saying a cliche line. Moses, the people were in Egypt as slaves, suffering heavily under Pharaoh's regime. And God said, Moses, through a burning bush, I'm picking you to go. Did you know Moses had an excuse and it was a valid one? He's like, I stutter. I stutter. How can I speak before Pharaoh? How can you use my mouth? I stutter. And God said, I will. He said, actually, can you use Aaron, my brother? He's a better fit than me. Moses felt unqualified. Gideon felt unqualified. Thought, I can't do this. I can't fight and win. I can't lead the people. I can't do this. In Isaiah, when God is looking for a messenger, Isaiah is the prophet, but he says, who, who am I? I'm a man of unclean lips. How can I speak for God? And then God touched the area that he was getting ready to use. The angel took the coal, touched it to his lips, and fire is a symbol of purification, of cleansing, of you burn up the dross or the sin. And so he, the, that symbol in his life was saying, no, your lips are clean now, that you will speak. And so then in Isaiah it says, they ask the question, who, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go? And Isaiah responds, here am I, Lord, send me. And I want you to know today, you might feel unqualified to fulfill your plans, hopes, and dreams. And I'm here to tell you and remind you, well, that's, that's exactly the place you want to be. Because your dependence will have to be fully on God to achieve or to attain your plans, hopes, and dreams. Would you stand to your feet with me? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. To give you what? A future and a hope. I'm going to say it one more time so it sticks. To give you a future and a hope. Today, as you leave church, you're leaving with a future and a hope that has no limitations in front of you. I want you to know that. And I'm going to pray a special prayer. And the prayer is a simple one, but it's a special one. And I'm going to pray that every limitation that has been on your God-given hopes, plans, and dreams would be broken, not in my ability, because I feel unqualified, but it's in Him. In the name of Jesus, we have the authority. And, and here's the thing, as a church, equally for us individually, but as a church, I think about the plans, hopes, and dreams that God has for Weston Road. I want you to know it's been a, a season where we were in the school it's taken me personally a few months to catch my breath. We haven't done too much in the last few months. And maybe some of you are like, where are the events? Where are the luncheons? Where? Just say, hold on, because we need to get ready. Because, I mean, it took a lot to get us to where we are. And what I believe, again, I'm verbalizing some of the plans, hopes, and dreams. Because when it starts to happen, you're going to have to be like my wife to say, okay, Pastor John, let's do this. We're ready now. 
But I believe that we had our season in the school to get us ready. But I believe we just, we needed these last few months to catch our breath for what God is getting ready for us that's in front of us. And, and I'm not crazy. I'm just verbalizing what I know is coming, what I sense in my heart. And, and here's the thing. I can run, and I'm a pretty good runner in terms of plans, hopes, and dreams, not so much on the treadmill, okay? Don't, get, don't misunderstand me. But the race is easier when we are all running together. And, and what I do know is it's going to take a collective effort of every single person. So the, the church that I see moving forward is an involved together church that is working towards the mission that God has in front of us. The plans, hopes, and dreams that he's going to start dropping and revealing to us. It might take some time to get the engine going and started. But I want to say that we need all of your support. Uh, church, for me and for Weston, the consumer, the consumer who shows up to receive will be blessed. No doubt. But we also have to understand that we are going to have to cross over from consumers to contributors. And that's when we're going to see the plans, hopes, and dreams for Weston begin to take flight. And I want to encourage you, um, come to church. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss our time of worship because I believe God is going to start releasing some of those things for us as a church. And if you're not here, you're, it, it's hard to play catch up on, on spiritual things that God is doing. And so I encourage you, when you come, let's enter fully into worship. Let's come because there is an open heaven. Let's come with great expectation and saying, God, what do you have for us today? What do you have for me today? And today I know what God has for us and for you is that there is no limitation to what God wants to do in your future. To give you a future and a hope. So would you join me as we pray? And I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus that every limitation be broken off of you and off of our church. Heavenly Father, I thank you today in the mighty name of Jesus, for your word. I thank you for the story of Joseph. Lord, though he was a dreamer, he spoke and he verbalized it. And Lord, today, uh, I thank you for his example that, Lord, though he started in the well, that was the beginning place of his dreams be taking shape. And Father, today, uh, in the name of Jesus, I speak over every person who's ever had a dream that you have given them. And maybe that dream has been lying dormant for way too long. Today, in the name of Jesus, I speak to plans, hopes, and dreams to come alive again in the name of Jesus. And whatever caused them to die, we break them in the name of Jesus. Any limitation, any fear, any, any lack of resource or finances, or the feeling of being unqualified, any label that's been placed on us, we break off in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that when we pursue the dreams you give us, Lord, they shall come to pass. And Father, even for our church, every plan, hope, and dream that is still unknown in our future, as you begin to reveal it to us as a church, Father, may we run with it. May we run with it. And Father, I thank you that nothing can stop you or your church. And so, Father, not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it, your word says. So, Father, today we take our confidence in you. 
And Father, we will verbalize those things which you are speaking to us, not to everyone, but to those that matter, not to win their support, but just so we can know that when we see it happening, people will be able to connect the dots. And so God, as we leave this place, thank you that we now have a new God confidence about our future. Thank you, God, that you have given us a future that is desirable, that is good, that is good for us. And God, may we spend every waking moment chasing not our desire, but your plans, hopes, and dreams for our lives. And Lord, I know that that is the path to blessing. And so, Father, we give you glory in this place. Bless everyone on our way out. Give us a wonderful, wonderful week of opportunities to tell of your glory to this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us as we go. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.